Get ready to pump your energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio on the world's most popular power hour, Star Style. Be the star you are. The Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan, and her sidekick daughter, Heather Brittany, deliver lessons of success spanning the generations of the globe in their information-packed Tea for Two, a mother-daughter brew. In other segments, Cynthia interviews real-life trailblazers, authors, and experts with the courage and vision who show you how to build a road to fulfillment through their unique books and services. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be informed and entertained. For your free lifestyle empowerment coaching session right here on the airwaves, turn up the volume, relax, sit back, and get ready to be inspired. Because Star Style, Be the Star You Are, starts right now. Well, hello, Power Partners, and welcome to Star Style. Be the star you are on this beautiful, gorgeous, sunny day. This is the Hour of Power, and my name is Cynthia Bryan. And um, hello, Brittany. And we are always so excited to be your personal growth success coaches here on the airwaves, helping you love, learn, laugh, listen, and, of course, live your dreams, because we are a show about following your heart, doing what you love, and we are always bubbling with enthusiasm and inspiration and motivation and information and, of course, tools for daily living. And today, we are all about staying in the kitchen, uh, kicking it off. Heather Brittany has some fantastic homemade body treatment recipes that cost you almost nothing when you whip them up at home. In segment two, I'm going to help you plant your own version of a French potager, which is a kitchen garden, so that you can have healthy, delicious, and nutritious fresh ingredients all year long. And in our final segment, debut author Jill McHenry shares yummy snacks from her novel, The Kitchen Daughter. So grab your apron, a cup of brew, and join us in the kitchen where all good things simmer and cook. Today's Miracle Moment is brought to you by Be The Star You Are Charity, the 501c3, that's been bringing you this broadcast live every week since 1998. Make a donation today. Keep us on the air. Increase literacy and positive messages in our world. Visit BeTheStarYouAre.org. It's all tax deductible. And the Miracle Moment is from Gary Allen Sledge. It's difficult to know what counts in the world. Most of us count credits honors, and dollars, but at the bulging center of life, I am beginning to see that the things that really matter take place not in the boardrooms, but in the kitchens of the world. Mm. And with that, we are going straight to the kitchen. We all like to pamper ourselves. It's fun. It's rewarding to mix up your own natural beauty products right in the comfort of your own home. And, you know, why pay hundreds of dollars to go out and get facials and masks and hair things and all that kind of stuff when you might have everything you need either growing in your backyard or at least in your refrigerator, and you can make them yourself. So, Heather, let's take it away. What are we going to start with? Well, exactly. Well, you know, the main thing is, as we talked before, is going organic, all these natural products. And a lot of times what can be alarming is you'll pay so much money for all these beautiful, wonderful ointments that claim to do so much. A lot of times you're just paying for the pretty jar or a lot of times it's this natural, going organic, made of all these fresh fruits and products. Um, they can get pretty expensive too. And if you actually read the labels, a lot of stuff um, in its bareness are things that you may actually have at home. So why spend all this money when you, again, can just head straight to the kitchen? 
So first thing is, I am a huge banana freak. Everyone knows I eat a million bananas a day. Oh my gosh, you totally do. You are never, I think you were born a monkey. You are never without, you know, an entire bag full. <laughs> so as healthy as bananas are, all that potassium, the magnesium going into your body, it has a lot of great um, essentials and nutrients that can actually help on the outside. And one thing I found is fine is they find similar, similar components and uh, results such as Botox. So you can actually use a banana as a natural face moisturizer um, to feel, kind of tighten up and soften certain areas. So to make a kind of a makeshift uh, banana moisturizer, what you would do is just mash up a medium-sized banana, make it into almost like a toothpaste style, a smooth paste, apply it to your face and neck, just let it chill out there for about 10 to 20 minutes, and then rinse it off with uh, cool water. And you can also... If you're feeling a little more adventurous, add a fourth cup of plain yogurt and two tablespoons of honey because the honey acts as a moisturizer as well. That is Another- such a great one because um, the, besides the potassium, as you said, uh, bananas are a wonderful emollient, and that can also be used on your hair as well as on your skin. And if you use it on your hair, you can even add uh, like some... Um, olive oil to it, you know, to make the shine, and even a little egg white. That's a great one, and very simple. Exactly, and that actually, you know, speaking of olive oil, um, I know you're a big fan, but olive oil is so nutrient-rich, and you see a lot of, I mean, you can even make a homemade lotion of just taking plain, um, you know, just plain lotion and then adding a couple tablespoons of olive oil to it. Um, One makes an amazing scent, but also that enrichment in there. Um, also, that olive oil is something you do is because it is so rich um, because of the all the nut oil. Um, you could put it under your eyes at night, just dab a couple dips under your eyes to moisturize, or you can put it on your lips at night as um, almost like a lip moisturizer. And you wake up, you might uh, have some dreams of tastiness, but it's so. Um, Nutrition. <laughs> I know. I always laugh that. Do I? You know? Do I smell like a salad? But mm-hmm. I, that is exactly that is my thing that I've always used under my eyes and on my neck and even on my hair is olive oil. And mm-hmm. for my hair, I put it in the bowl, and sometimes I put a little lemon juice in it because that just keeps my hair's blonde, and then that lemon juice acts as you know as keeps it light. And I heat it up in the microwave for a couple of seconds, and that's that. I, I put the bowl on my head, put a Put a plastic bag around it and a towel, and I have a good hot hair oil treatment, which really my hair looks great after it. And then as far as it under the eyes, it is great. In fact, my skin feels dry if I'm not if I don't have olive oil on at all times. <laughs> Another thing is, so lately there's been lots of crazes regarding apple vinegar cider, and apple vinegar ciders make a lot of tonic drinks and elixirs. And it really does have good health components. They say um, there are some extreme cases out there, but you can also, you know, just taking a, you know, half a fourth a cup each day, a little shot of that's really nutritious for you. But you wouldn't really think that it's great as a skin toner for you. And so something that will kind of even out your skin, get away any flakiness or any uh, soap residue, is just mix two cups of uh, just plain water. I was kind of making to make it purely as healthy. Um, if you have distilled kind of filtered water, and then two tablespoons to a fourth of a cup of uh, apple cider vinegar. Mix that up, make your own little bottles, put it on a cotton swab, put it on your face after washing, let it dry, there you go, and you have you know great toner to kind of even out your skin tone. Um, well, you know, I like that one. That sounds really good. And I have, 
I have one, too, that if you know how people, especially as you age, you get dark spots. You know, you mm. get these age spots. Or you just might, maybe your elbows, you know, are darker and they kind of need some bleaching out. Well, one that's really natural. And everything, I grow, and I don't grow bananas, but just about everything else I grow. So um, is make mixing some peppermint, like the fresh mint that you grow in the garden, a, a whole cup of it, and you mash it in water. And then you use a lemon, a full lemon, and you squeeze it in, and you mix it up all together. And then put it with cotton swabs onto your elbows or onto these uh, spots that are darker on your skin. And it is, you know, it's cooling, it's refreshing, it's uplifting. And the lemon has a little bit, as I said earlier, a little bit of, of bleaching um, and the antiviral properties. And then and the peppermint helps exfoliate too, so you'll find that after time, the, your spots get a little lighter. And another really great um, and so inexpensive exfoliator and body scrub, I like to make up kind of big jars of this, is uh, whether or how much you're making, just make sure to take brown sugar and honey. That's all you need. Make sure you have more honey um, than you'll see the consistency you want of a body scrub. Mixing honey and the brown sugar together, put it on the honey exfoliates, those little sugar crystals, and the, or I'm sorry, the brown sugar exfoliates and the honey moisturizes. So it's a great as an all-over body thing. It smells amazing, and it just takes off the dead skin, and you can use it anywhere on your body, face, elbows, um, full, you know, head to toe, and this, and, and um, it has a wonderful after smell as well. And it's great, too, if you're having it in the shower. That sugar and honey just dissolves instantly into the water, so you don't have to worry about it clogging up your drains or getting sticky anywhere, the water will just dilute it and make it disappear. And that's really important. I remember when I was speaking a couple of years ago at Lake Austin Spa and Resort and had had a couple of treatments, you know, after speaking, but I didn't get to get a facial, and I, w I did that. I got brown sugar, and they had honey in the dining room, and I just mixed it up and put it on, <laughs> and it was fantastic. So I mean, that's a really good, that's a real good one, very simple. And, again, all of these are inexpensive, uh, and they are ingredients that you use every day. I want to say have one because I am a big fan of flowers, as you know. Mm -hmm. And so if people enjoy having, um, if they, you have roses at your house or you even get a bouquet of roses, instead of fl you know, throwing them out, why don't you make a rose petal bath? Now, Ooh. besides having you know, this heavenly scent that roses have, Roses also work as an antidepressant, as an astringent. They're antiviral, antibacterial, anti-inflammatory. And, of course, I think that if you're with your loved one, they're very much an aphrodisiac as well. So oh. what you want to do is if you don't want them, you know, again, I, like, just like you said, you don't want to clog drains. So you may want to just get a small piece of netting or you could even get, um, what is it called, like a tea strainer? And you put a cup of rose petals, just put as many rose petals as you want in there. And then if you use a half a cup of coconut milk, you can pour the coconut milk into the bath and then add the rose petals and mix it around and then just sit, sit in the tub for about 15 minutes and you will feel toned and moisturized and beautiful and sexy. <laughs> and I like that one a lot. And it can be any kind of roses, any color. That sounds wonderful. And I've just begun on another head-to-toe kind of feeling great, and this one would be great for you, is using eggs. I mean, eggs are a great moisturizer um, from the head-to-toe, and knowing how to kind of separate and using 
certain sections that you can do it. So for a little kind of a head-to-toe pampering, just knowing your skin style, your, your skin type. So if you have dry skin that needs moisturizer, it's to make this kind of a makeshift style with it, um, take one egg, just separate the egg and the egg yolk. Um, and then you would make, you're going to more use the yolk for the dry skin. If you have oily skin, just take the egg white and a little bit of lemon, and you can add some honey to it as well. And also for normal skin, use the entire egg. And what you do is you apply um, the beaten egg, let it relax for 30 minutes on your skin, let it soak in so it may kind of feel dry. It might smell a little bit, so I don't recommend doing this on a hot day. And then just rinse off, and your skin, um, depending on if dry, it will feel moisturized. If it's oily, it will feel balanced. And then if it's just normal skin, it will just feel glowy. Ooh, that sounds really good. I want to glow. And and things, another really good thing, too, with eggs, um, because of all the rich components in it, um, for a really good kind of hair cream stuff, uh, is recommend don't wash your hair for a couple days. Let it get kind of really oily or really dried out. Um, Mix equal parts of mayonnaise, olive oil, and eggs. Now, this thing does not smell very well I have to let you know I put it on your hair let it as you know do your thing you can let it sit anywhere from 30 minutes up to two hours I'm really just soaking in rinse out your hair will shine look amazing and luckily enough once it rinses out it really just kind of um, the olive oil smell kind of takes over but I have to admit, during the process of it, it is a little intense of a well, smell. Well, because actually, with the eggs and the olive oil, if you're mixing them up, you're almost making a homemade mayonnaise. Well, so, and, and then the course, mayonnaise doesn't mayonnaise smell that on your good hair anyway. Well, yeah, yeah. So you know, but still, I think that the results are great. And then once you put, once you rush, wash your hair and put conditioner on it, you'll be good to go. You know, and uh, speaking of making your hair smell good. You can also make like a lavender water. If you grow lavender, I have tons and tons of lavender, and, and I know whenever I speak, I give away uh, lots of different lavenders, you know, for people. But you can also soak some lavender in um, in water or in oil and then strain out the lavender petals, and the oil will smell of lavender. So that might be, you know, that might yeah. make it a little bit better. And, of course, as we know, Lavender is a um, it's a relaxant and at the same time it's a mood lifter. So that might yeah, be a good thing to do. And one thing that's great about with all of these is that these can all make fantastic gifts. Of just get some simple mason jars, little print off the computer, a little catchy name, something of a, a personalized put a little note explaining it. Or if it's something you know give out with uh, directions and give someone the little information. The fact that you're giving someone their own little home treatment that it's inexpensive, it's fun, it's from the heart, and um, it's you know it can be a really fun thing too if you're gonna have a girls' night in of, of making these homemade concoctions. Yeah, yeah, no, you know I like that idea of having like a girls' party, and because especially in these economic times where we're all trying to save money, you know, and people are throwing away so many vegetables and fruits. Why not find ways that we can repurpose them? And I know one thing that I always do, and, and of course, um, I get laughed at, not by you, but I do get laughed at by my <laughs> husband, is when I eat an avocado, instead of throwing out the peel, I slice the peel and then I rub it all over my face. Now, it's like a green mask, but the avocado both nourishes and tightens the skin. So you just leave that residue green avocado mush on your face for 
15 minutes and then wash it off and your skin feels amazing. And of course, then I feed, I, I throw the skins out to the animals and then the chickens and stuff eat it. So I all get back into the <laughs> well, compost pile. Green. <laughs> There are there are so many fantastic uh, different recipes that you can do, and Heather, it's just so fun that you're talking about them. And uh, so I'd like you to give out the website right now, so people can go to our websites and and find more information. Yeah, most definitely. You want to go to beatastarur.com, beatastarur.org, and uh, carmenclutches.com as well, both with a K. And then when we come back from break, we're going to have more fun cooking up some more recipes but from a kitchen garden, and I'm going to actually show you how you can grow many of these wonderful plants that Heather and I have been talking about so that you'll be able to create your own home facials, and at the same time, you're going to have your own home cooking. So I am Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Brittany. And this is Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We love to cook things up with you, so don't go away. We have a hot show coming. What's going on behind the scenes with your favorite World Talk Radio show or host? For the latest news, visit the iRadio blog at iradioblog.com. Business Bites. Here's Cynthia Bryan. Do you know how to make more productive phone calls? In today's busy world, phone tag has become the normal daily routine. But how can you get more mileage from your phone time and reduce the extended games of telephone tag? Call when people are more likely to be in. Good times are usually Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursday mornings. Bad times are definitely Monday mornings and Friday afternoons. Whenever the person you're trying to reach isn't in, ask the secretary or whoever answers, when is the best time to call back? Develop alternative contacts in the organization whom you may reach more quickly. Be friendly with the gatekeepers. They are the king to the ki- they have the keys to the kingdom. If you are kept on hold more than a couple of minutes, hang up and telephone back. Holding for long periods wastes time and indicates a lack of interest from the other party. And learn to leave excellent voice messages and know when to quit. Sometimes the other party is just not interested in taking your call. Remember, you are the star of your own performance. Turn your passions into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan from Star Style with another business bite. For more information on Star Style, visit star-style.com or call 925-377-7827. Be the star you are. Light up the flame that burns. Get a positive prescription for living and discover a cure for adversity when you make a difference in the lives of others by donating to Be the Star You Are, a 501c3 top-rated charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through increased literacy, positive media, and tools for living. www.bethestarur.org. All donations are tax-deductible. www.bethestarur.org. Be You're listening to the World Talk Radio Variety Channel. 
positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the Airwaves, Cynthia Bryan. Well, thank you, as always, for staying with us. You are listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are, and I am your personal growth coach, Cynthia Bryan. My purpose in providing you this program is to communicate to you that you already possess everything you need to be the producer, the writer, the director, and the star of your life. We have the three rules of smile, have fun, and be willing to be wild and wacky. That means be willing to go out on that limb and take a measured risk. We also want you to read some good books, and sometimes these are books you haven't heard of, and this is why we bring amazing authors onto the show. I am the author of six books and New York Times bestsellers, Chicken Soup for the Gardener's Soul, Be the Star You Are, be the star you are for teens, the business, the show business, miracle moments, and the blessings of love and relationships. You can find out more about these books when you visit com, and with a tax-deductible uh, donation, you can get autographed copies. Well, we are back in the kitchen and the kitchen garden. Now, the French have been combining flowers and vegetables in their garden since the medieval ages. If a potager is known, that's French for the word kitchen garden, and it continues to be popular in France. I mean, just recently the government issued a survey which revealed that one-fourth of the fruit and vegetables that are consumed by the French are actually homegrown. How smart is that? No wonder the French are known for their amazing cooking. So here in the U.S., we seem to be following suit because in the last few years, at least according to uh, my Garden Writers Association surveys that have been done, the kitchen gardening, the potager, has really taken off. And for those of you who are wondering, what is a kitchen garden? The best way I can describe it is it is a place that you will grow the items, the vegetables, the herbs, the lettuces, etc., fruits, berries that you love, that you want to bring into your kitchen, and even if you want to have some flowers for your table, because there are a lot of edible flowers out there. So it's really edible gardening. And it's just incredible. I have always had a garden like this. And in recent years, I've been making what I call barbecue gardens and portable gardens with potagers so that I can actually put a small garden on wheels and wheel it around to my barbecue or get it closer to the outdoor where I want to uh, cook things up. Now, what are you, what kind of ingredients do you put in there? Now, in my kitchen garden, it's both mostly herbs and salad greens and I like to choose uh, to mix both flowers and and my vegetables together. So, I will put in the garden things like I have a rosemary, I have parsley, I have basil, and all different kinds of lettuces, radicchio, arugula, dandelion leaves, miner's lettuce, etc. Now, when you're choosing the location for your garden, you want to keep in mind that most vegetables and herbs need a lot of sun. In order to really grow, they have to have sun. They also have to have good drainage. So if you're putting them directly into the ground, you want to stay away from low-lying areas where it's like a ditch or, you know, water collects or it's muddy, it's sort of swampy. Another uh, consideration for a potager is what is the distance from your garden? For example, 
right outside the door to my kitchen. I have two huge pots that have a variety of herbs because as I'm cooking, I, being Italian, I just taste things and I think, oh, it needs a little bit of this. So there is where I will have in these pots, I have several varieties of my basil, basilica we call it. I have Italian parsley and regular parsley. I'm a big cilantro fan, so I also have my cilantro right there, and I have sage and thyme. And then very close by is my rosemary. And these, oh, and then I have also um, chives and um, onions. Because these are the things I tend to use a lot, especially the, the garlic chives. I love everything with garlic. So I can have this just in a pot. Now, if you're in the city, you can put them in a pot on a windowsill even, and they'll grow inside. So I'm just a very spontaneous cook. So you want to have your herbs and any vegetables really right close to the door. What I'm going to be doing this year, and I'm writing about it now, I, as you all probably know, I'm the garden writer for, I write the Digging Deep column, and what I'm going to be actually doing a whole story on potagers, but I've decided instead of, I'm, uh, instead of planting a vegetable garden this year like I always do, I'm going to let it sit so that the soil rejuvenates, and I'm just going to keep amending the soil this year, and I'm going to do my, all my vegetables and herbs in big pots, so it's going to be container vegetable garden, so I'll have to report back. So I'm kind of looking at it as a container protege because it's going to be all the things that I want, but I'll probably do some things vertically and I'll do a lot of trailing things and we'll see if it works out. It worked last year great for peppers and, and tomatoes, so we'll see. So once you've chosen your best site, then you want to prepare the area just like you would a new perennial bed. Now, I just finished writing about uh, how my compost course, I call it, on how you really need to compost your garden. So let me just tell you a little bit about amending your soil. If you are using pots, just you can buy uh, potting soil. But if you're going to be in the ground, it's really important that you use manures and compost to enrich your soil. As Heather was saying earlier, let's keep it organic. Now, my garden is a kaleidoscope of colors and fragrances, and I have my rich compost to thank for that. So you can do it, too. When you use everything that you'd normally put down, the kitchen sink garbage disposal, and instead you're going to use it in your garden. So here are a couple of tips that would help you recycle and repurpose things that you waste in your, in your kitchen. So let's assume that you've just made all these different facials and body things that we were talking about in our last segment. Instead of throwing them in the garbage or down the garbage disposal, Keep a bowl or a small container under your kitchen sink. And every time you prepare any food, just put all the scraps except for meat into the container. And that could be, you know, when you peel carrots, so your bananas, or your onions, your garlic, your potatoes, your potato peels, you know, pieces of lettuce, any vegetables, tea bags, coffee grinds, bread, eggshells, anything that is uh, organic, you can put in that. Now, you can either empty it each day into a five-gallon bucket that you're either going to keep in your garage or a shed or a closet, someplace where it's not going to get ants or anything. I keep mine in my garage. People, I used to keep it outside my back door until the raccoons and the skunks started invading. So you don't want to leave it outside because you will attract the birds and the deer and the raccoons and all of those who really love all this. So when the bucket is filled, either create a, a pile that's going to be a compost pile somewhere 
on the side of your yard where it's inconspicuous. Or you can buy one of these inexpensive composting bins, and I put everything in that. You can add leaves, grass clippings, wood chips, pine needles, straw, any spent flower arrangements, but you know, blossoms that you pull off, or any combination of green and brown organic materials that are not diseased. So you, you can throw weeds in there, but as long as you're not throwing the weed seeds, it has to heat up. I turn it with a pitchfork or, or with some kind of a spade just to keep it um, moving. You may want to water it a little bit. And when the mixture it looks like chocolate cake, it's real rich and crumbly, and it's filled with worms, and it smells like the good earth. I mean, it really has that wonderful earthy smell. Then you just spread it as organic mulch in your garden where it's going to leach into the soil and it's going to fertilize your plants. And then voila, you have a healthy garden. So make sure you, you prepare right away. Now, one way you can prepare in your garden for planting is to intersperse the different uh, plants as I was saying with flowers and, um, flowers and vegetables. Because if you plant by seed, there are many easy, easy seeds to grow. Zinnias are easy, violets are easy, beans are easy, calendulas are easy, and many of them are edible plants as well. And so you can, inter, you can interplant. For example, if you follow a crop of spring vegetables, you know, uh, such as spinach, chard, Asian greens, arugula, scallions, with summer vegetables that like the heat, like cucumbers, tomatoes, basils, or squash, then when the cool weather comes, you could plant cilantro, more lettuce, more kale, you know, radishes in that same spot. And then the number of vegetables and herbs you can fit in, it depends on the length of your growing season and how quickly each crop is going to mature. Now, a technique for prolonged harvest is to plant early, uh, mid-season and late maturing varieties of one crop all at the same time and then they're going to ripen in succession providing you with a continual fresh harvest from one planting season to the next so you can try this with crops like sweet corn and with peas and always of course read the information that's provided in each seed packet which will indicate which varieties are early medium or late late and the inner planting is a good way to use your garden space successively to harvest the most in the least amount of space. And first you're going to plant the mature crops among the, those that mature more slowly. And by the time the slower growers need space, the fast growers will be harvested and gone. For example, you could plant lettuces between your young tomato seedlings or radish seeds in alternate rows with carrot seeds. And then you'll harvest the lettuce and radishes by the time the tomatoes and carrots need more growing room. So that hopefully just gives you a little bit of information on how easy it is for you to get more from your potager and from your vegetable garden. You can also plant in what we call a four square, which is just four square feet, where you, you plant uh, different varieties in each foot. So once you have the bones of the garden, then you want to plant your favorite herbs and your fruits and vegetables. Uh, many of the herbs are perennials, and so that is a very, very good thing that they just keep coming back over and over again, and that's important if you can, can do that. So the, the, um, the vegetables, 
the vegetables uh, that you want are the ones that are going to be your most favorite. Now, what about edible flowers? You, there are many, many kinds of edible flowers out there. So I like to always have flowers in my salads as well as flowers in, um, you know, to decorate the, the plates. You can put uh, anise is um, a wonderful. It has seeds and a flower, bee balm. Daylilies are edible, English daisies, hollyhocks, uh, Johnny Jump Ups, of course, lavender, uh, the nasturgeon most people know about, pansies, and they're all, you know, very hearty. Petunias, you can also eat those, the annual pinks. Those are, are really great. But the perennial sunflower, um, violets, as I said, those are also edible. So there are many, many different kinds of edible flowers, and it just, you just have to use your imagination to get the best things that you want for your garden. And, you know, the, the greatest thing about having a kitchen garden is the fact that once that you have the kitchen garden, you know that what you're feeding your family is fresh and healthy and nutritious. Now, what would be some herbs that would be really good for you? Basil, of course, this is an herb that I, I don't think any garden is complete without. I, you love pesto, I'm sure, on pasta, but it just has a really peppery, delicious flavor. Yeah, you might want to have some celery. There's also an herb called Love All that tastes like celery, but it's just the leaf. And I chop that up like into tuna sandwiches and all of that. A summer savory, it's called the bean herb because it used to be used so often in bean dishes, and it tastes kind of like a peppery thyme uh, with a little bit of a sage kick at the end. So just throw the seeds out when the ground warms up, and you're going to have more summer savory than you'll even know what to do with. Parsley, I've already talked about. There's many different kinds. If you want the flat-leafed Italian parsley, which I think is really delicious, or you can do the curly-leafed parsley. Um, it, a common fallacy is that parsley can't be transplanted, but I've had no problem doing that, and I find that it's a perennial, so it depends where you live, of course. Sweet marjoram, that is one of the traditional herbs, you know, that is used in um, the herbs de Provence, and it's usually grown as an annual. It resembles oregano. It's a little bit milder, so you can grow both of those. Uh, dill, dill is always um, a fabulous, a fabulous uh, herb to grow because it is so useful, especially on um, fish, so that might be a really good one. And, of course, rosemary, I, what is better than, you know, garlic, rosemary, chicken, yum, yum, yum. And you've got to have chives and garlic and onions. And then I always have, um, I always have cress and Swiss chard and French tarragon. Uh, lemon balm is another good one. But now if you're going to plant mints, just make sure that you keep them in a pot because they will take over. And I want you to go to BeTheStarYouAre.com and for more garden information, visit Star-Style.com. But keep your apron on and your teapot warm because we're going to be cooking up more fun in our next segment when we come back and we share mouth-watering novel, The Kitchen Daughter. I am Cynthia Bryan, and today we are cooking up a storm right here on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Keep it hot, hot, hot. We'll be right back. Stay with us. 
have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop take world talk radio on the go and listen anywhere get our mobile app for iphone blackberry or android at the apple itunes app store blackberry app world or android market apathy violence and negative messages are everyday occurrences in our country you can be a change maker when you dare to care by supporting be the star you are charity a 501c3 that empowers women families and youth through improved literacy positive media and tools for living visit www.bethestarur.org to find out how you can make a difference in our world everyone counts that web address again is www.bethestarur.org be the star you are.org. Looking for unique one-of-a-kind gifts for the special woman in your life? The Carmony Collection creates handmade handbags, clutches, candles, and canvases from vintage and recycled fabrics, bangles, and beads. Be eco-friendly and fashionable with prices for all pocketbooks. Visit www.carmonycollection.com. That's Carmony with a K and Collection with a K. Or call 925-785-7827. Are you living your dreams? Want to create a life you love but don't know how to begin? Lifestyle coach and personal growth expert Cynthia Bryan has jump-started the lives and careers of clients for over two decades with her signature star-style consultations. With personalized sessions by phone or in person, you'll turn your passions into profits. Visit www.cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-STAR. That's cynthiabryan.com or call 925-377-7888. Two seven. Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side. www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take World Talk Radio on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Be the star you are. You are. up the volume, grab a seat, and get ready to be challenged, inspired, and motivated to greatness. It's power party time on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, with your hosts, the mother-daughter dynamic duo, Cynthia Bryan and Heather Brittany. Well, thank you so much for staying with us right here on Star Style, Be the Star You Are, where every week we showcase incredible authors and experts who enhance and inspire your life. Be the Star You Are is a 501c3 charity dedicated to empowering women, families, and youth through improved literacy, positive message programming like this radio show, and, of course, tools for living. There is an apathy sweeping our country, and Be the Star You Are believes that stories of inspiration and hope infused with information have the power to transform and change lives. Be the Star You Are is committed to providing positive role models for youth and adults. So please visit BeTheStarYouAre.org and make a donation today. Well, food is a way in which we connect, celebrate, and show love for one another. Cooking is comforting and perhaps more so for a person with Asperger's who needs routine activities on a daily basis. J.L. McHenry has penned a delicious feast with her debut novel about a young woman with Asperger's who's able to conjure up the ghosts 
from recipes that they wrote while they were living. The book is called The Kitchen Daughter, and it's as scrumptious as it sounds. Well, welcome, Jill, to Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much, Cynthia. Thanks for having me. Well, this was such a treat. It truly is a delicious book, and I've already cooked up a couple of your recipes. I'm actually eating some of the shortbread cookies right now. <laughs> so if you hear me munching, that's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to see what ghosts that we can get here with us today. I love your premise of naming the chapters after recipes. I think that was so original and fun. And I understand that cooking has always been important in your family. Let's uh, go back and tell us the inspiration for writing The Kitchen Daughter. Well, uh, one of the things that got me started on writing it was just that I love to cook, and I've been a cook for a long time, and I've been a writer for a long time, but I'd never really tried to bring the two together. Um, And I realized that was just, you know, I wasn't doing everything I could do um, to put myself out there. So it came from an idea of writing a character who is passionate about cooking, but I've never been a chef. I've never worked in a restaurant. I didn't want to try to make a character who did that. So instead, I wanted to make this character who was a home cook and had sort of an internal focus on why she cooked and why it was important to her, and then eventually turned it outward, as she does in this book, to use it as a way to connect with other people, as you were saying. It's just food is just such a great way to connect with our families, to connect with our friends. Well, you know, it's interesting because it it seems in every situation, if you want to get people to your meeting or you want to get them to volunteer for some event, as long as you provide food, people show up. So to to create your characters around the concept of food, I think was very very interesting and uh, and and fun at the same time because you also included several original recipes, some of which came from your family. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, the uh, biscuits and gravy, uh, biscuits and sausage gravy recipe is my grandma McHenry's. And it's something that we have every time my family gets together. My mom's really good at making it. My dad's really good at making it. So uh, we all sit down and enjoy it together. Well, let's talk about the different characters. Now, it seems from reading, you know, a little bit about you, I loved your main character of Ginny. I thought she was just warm and smart and caring. And you just, you, I'm sure that people who are living with Asperger's or even autism, when they read this book and they, they can see themselves there, they feel very elated because you, you took away a stigma and you made her a person that was very capable. Even though other people kept kind of coddling her, she didn't need to be coddled. That's right. Yeah, I wanted to make her a fully blown character, fully, you know, as alive as anyone I've ever written. And... She is made up of characteristics and behaviors the same way I am, the same way you are, the same way everybody we know is. And there just happens to be a medical diagnosis for the collection of behaviors that she exhibits. So I didn't want it to be a book about a woman with Asperger's primarily. I wanted it to be a book about Ginny and the journey that that she's going on and the things that she's going through. And also Asperger's enters into the story as uh, part of the plot and part of her character. Well, and it also fits really well because when the first time that she makes the recipe and her grandmother shows up, her nana shows up, it, it, it would make sense to that she doesn't want to tell anybody because you have a line in your book that says, you know, she'd never been in, institutionalized. And my gosh, if she told anybody that she was seeing ghosts because 
she was able to cook up the ribolita that, uh, you know, somebody may put her in a hospital. So I thought it started off really well with your bread soup, the fact that she, re- she had a secret immediately, but it was a way to connect what was going on in the situation with the death of, of her parents. Right, right. And she's, you know, she's comforting herself. She's reaching out. Um, but if I made something in the kitchen and a ghost showed up, I probably wouldn't tell anybody either, right? Well, but she no, has even I mean, more reason. You know, I would want to tell. I think I would only tell anybody I could trust completely that wouldn't think that I was off my rocker. <laughs> right, right. Actually, I, you know, in reading this, there's so many people I would love to bring back to life that with their recipes. I was just thinking about you know, what my dad would cook and what my grandparents would cook because we're all Italian and they all have these fabulous recipes that they did and I have all their things. And I tried several recipes, but nobody showed up on my kitchen stool. Ah, that was disappointing. <laughs> so tell me, um, in, in writing this, did you base the characters on any particular person or did they just show up? They really just showed up. I to some degree was inspired by the recipes. I found uh, some recipes I was interested in making and talking more about, like the ají de gallina is a delicious Peruvian dish that a lot of people don't know about. And the Peruvian character was inspired by the recipe instead of, you know, making up the character and then finding the recipe that fit them. So in some cases the character came first, in some cases the recipe came first. Oh, that's, uh, that's interesting. So, I mean, there's a, a good variety of recipes from Italian to Scottish, the Scottish shortbreads to uh, South American, you know, as you said. And, of course, I love the hot chocolate. That oh, that's also, one of my it's favorites. It's always great when you add peppers. People in America don't seem to do that. Right, right. I think salt with chocolate. I think hot peppers with chocolate. Anything that just sort of takes it in a different direction is just, delicious to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, in the book, this is what, what made it so good. Now, I had a question. There was one character that I didn't understand why she was so frightening and mean and nasty when she came back, and that was Evangeline. Uh, right. Because I, I, I don't know if I missed something there, but it didn't seem like in real life she was, it seemed like she was a good person. Well, I think in real life she felt toward the end of her life like she was wronged, and I think that a lot of the characters are carrying over things from the end of their lives to the beginning of of their ghosthood. So that was sort of where I came from in having that character be as shocked and as angry as she was. Um, But certainly it's, you know, it's a good point you make. Well, no, I'm just, I was just wondering about her because I actually, until the very end of the book when, when we find out, you know, who she really was, et cetera, I thought she was somebody, gonna be somebody completely different. And so then when, when you revealed who she was in the scheme of things, I was wondering about why she, when she came back, she was not so nice, whereas everybody else came back and, they were, it was like such a delight to see them. I mean, Ginny didn't want him to leave. I didn't want him to leave. I wanted to say more and tell us what it was like on the other side. I sort of had that same feeling as I was writing it. You know, you? all the guests sort of, the ghosts 
Yeah, yeah they were guests. I like that. Freudian <laughs> slip. They were guests and they were ghosts. And they sort of exit pretty quickly. I don't think I'm giving too much away no, to I people don't who so. haven't I'm, read it. I'm attempting not to give too much away. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there are a lot of experiences that Jenny has with the ghosts that are wonderful and inspiring. There are some others that are confusing. Um, and then there are the experiences with Evangeline, which are more threatening. And I think a lot of what scares Ginny about it is she just doesn't know. She has to decide whether she's going to continue cooking these recipes, whether she's going to keep calling these ghosts back. And there's no way for her to know whether something great is going to happen or something very bad is going to happen. What was your method for for taking that direction and having the ghosts come because I lo- I this I loved it. I mean, I really loved it. As I said, I would just I would love to be able I'm a, I love to cook and I would love to be able to have people sit in my kitchen and talk to me. It was something it's just sort of a a figurative thing that I decided to make literal. You know, if I'm mm. making recipes from someone who has passed on or even someone who's still alive but they're elsewhere, you know, making their recipe will connect me with that person, and in a way it feels like they are there with me. And so I decided to take that and make it literal, and then, you know, that person really does show up in the kitchen. And how true that is, is that whenever you're making something that is a special recipe from somebody that you really care about, you, you're, you put your heart and soul into it knowing that you're connected with them. And I know I feel like that. It's like, you know, I never will say this is my spaghetti sauce. It's always Nani's spaghetti sauce or, you know, or it's Mama's pesto or, you know. And it belongs to And the kids would say to me, oh, you did something a little bit different than she would do. And I always found that very interesting. Now, speaking of the food, there's also sadness, you know, that happens in the book. And I have always found, as you have very eloquently written in your book, you know, that food consoles us when we are sad. There's something about it that connects us um, to each other, and we can just get get a wrap around grief. So maybe you could tell us a little bit about the experiences that you had in writing this or perhaps in your life where you just found that the mere fact of creating these recipes or bringing food at, at times of uh, of funerals or sickness or something, just help people to recover quickly. I think it's interesting because there are two ways to look at it. There's the food that you bring, and then there's the act of cooking itself. So for Ginny, a lot of the comfort comes in the act of cooking itself, and she's less concerned about what happens to the food afterward. But I think for most people, either receiving food or being able to give food to someone else who is experiencing grief, it's something we can always do. You know, you don't always know what to say. You don't always know how to help somebody, but you can always bring them some cookies or bring them a lasagna or put some food in their freezer so that they'll have it when they feel like eating. I feel like it's just such a simple gesture of comfort that most people feel like they can make when they don't know what else to do. No, yeah, no, I think it's it's true. I mean, I know in my family, I have always said that my mom, we called it her Hosanna. Cooking was her Hosanna. It, she never cared about eating it. She just loves to cook for people. And she always felt that the way to show her love was through the stomach. And she would just make these amazing, you know, amazing dishes. And that's what she's known for. And that's her gift to the world. And this is 
the way that Ginny, your character is, is she just can, she helps out with everyone by actually doing the cooking. So what has been your experience with the book so far? I mean, this is your debut novel. I know you've been been writing a long time, but isn't it exciting to have a book out there? It's exciting and it's very nerve-wracking. This is actually my first radio interview for the oh, book. Oh, you're so. doing great! <laughs> so I'm still getting used to it, and so in some ways it feels very real. I'm looking down at the cover of the book, holding the book in my hand right now. So obviously it's very real, but it also still feels, you know, like a like a bubble that's going to burst. I mean, that it's, it's just not going to burst. Such an amazing from, thing. from now until you know you go to the other side and people are bringing you back with your recipes. You will be in love with your book, and your first book, you know, is like giving birth. I mean, isn't it just like birthing a child, you know? I mean, it's, it's so exciting, and it is unbelievable because it takes so much work. And now the work is just beginning because it's the tours, it's the radio shows, it's the blogs, it's, you know, it, it's talking about the book when you're, you want to still keep writing, but you're going to be talking about it for a long time. Do you still have time for cooking? I do, I do. I'm definitely planning to do some cooking when I go out uh, to give readings from the book. I'm going to cook some brownies to take with me. As oh, I said, love that. If you want to be welcome, horrible. you should always uh, you should always bring food to boost attendance. Yes, I think uh, so. As we said at the beginning, is whenever you bring food, people really will remember you. They'll gather around. They'll come, <laughs> especially if it's homemade. Absolutely, absolutely. That's one of the things that I like to do. Is if we have friends who are away from home during a holiday or something like that it's just great to to be the one who sort of makes that makes that feast for people it's it's so enjoyable well let's give out your website so that people can find out your schedule you have a beautiful website by the way oh thank you so much wonderful wonderful and so that people can contact you they can uh, book you for speaking they can see what events you'll be and, of course, they can buy your book. And uh, we know that the book's available on all the um, Internet sites and in bookstores. If it's not in bookstores, you can always ask for it. The name of the book is The Kitchen Daughter, a novel. And J.L. McHenry is the author. Let me spell her first name. It's a beautiful first name, but, but it, it, it's hard to say. J-A-E-L. And then McHenry, M-C-H-E-N-R-Y. So would you give out your website? Sure. There's jlmchenry.com, as you said, and then I also have a food blog called The Simmer Blog, and you can just get that at simmerblog.com. Simmerblog.com. I bet you don't have a whole lot of time for blogging right now. Not a lot, but I do feel like I want to keep that going, and the blog is also a place where I post news and let people know what's going on. I'm going to tell the story of the pepper mill that I bought when I got my book deal. Uh, things like that. Oh, so. great. Well, I hope you continue the celebration. I This is a truly wonderful, delicious book. I so enjoyed it. I sat down in, in one reading, and I had to jump up, though, because I had to go make the recipe. So The Kitchen Daughter, Jill McHenry, you will love it. Go to the bookstores, run and pick it up. You won't be disappointed. The Kitchen Daughter, and of course, the Simmer blog, you can go to that too. Do you have any last words you'd like to leave on your first interview live around the world? Just thanks again for having me. It was really delightful. Thanks. Well, thank you. You were great, and much success to you, and we'll be looking forward to your next 
book and novel. I know that you have many books inside of you, and we have a lot that we're going to have fun with. So good luck. Thank you for joining me here on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you, Cynthia. And all of you, thank you for joining us here on Star Style. As you go out into the day, remember that no one's walked this earth with your exact combination of inborn and acquired strengths, weaknesses, skills, and experiences. You are a star. Take a look in the mirror and admire yourself. And until next week when we celebrate once again, my name is Cynthia Bryan, and this is Star Style. Be the star you are. I thank you. I encourage you. Go into the kitchen, cook up a feast, and be the star you are. See you next week. Thank you for being part of our star galaxy on today's episode of star style be the star you are we hope you've enjoyed the commentary and are motivated to dream big overcome obstacles and realize your potential for further information visit www.starstyleradio.com join our power party next week right here on world talk radio as cynthia Bryan, heather Brittany, and the pioneers of the planet pump up the energy with positive uplifting life-changing radio until then Be the star you are. You are.